Pastor Ed Taylor urging us to make a difference in these last days. Let's do something for the Lord. Let's do it and see what God has in store for us. Let's rise above the flesh. Let's rise above the struggle. Let's rise above identifying ourselves by our mistakes or our failures. And let's just make a difference in Jesus' name. Just one little difference. And you watch. God will bless you and encourage you. You'll become addicted to serving others in Jesus' name. Nobody needs to know. We don't need to bring it up on the screen or anything. We don't, we don't. God knows. God knows what you do in secret. And the Bible says he'll reward you openly. That's what Jesus said. Make a difference. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You From Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace. We'll be joined by Pastor Ed Taylor momentarily and get back to his study of 2 Corinthians. Think the Christian life is going to be easy? Think again. Just like the man we'll hear about today, we can expect turmoil, difficulty, tribulation, and spiritual warfare. Yes, it is a rough road, and we should count the cost. As we open up chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is listing some of the things he endured as a minister of Jesus. Now, remember, he's defending his ministry, pointing out what he endured and how he lived to demonstrate he was truly an apostle of God. Here's Pastor Ed. The life of Paul the Apostle was one of great turmoil and difficulty everywhere. We try to tell the young people here that we have opportunity to influence in the ministry, that they need to count the cost, man. Because it's no easy thing. It's going to be a lot of hard work and difficulty. And, you know, don't get into the ministry. Don't get into, if you think, well, Ed, I have a calling on my life. And to that I say, amen. I wish, give us 100 men and women that have callings on their life. But don't think the calling in your life is just like, well, you know, I'm going to do what you do, Ed. I'm going to show up Wednesday, be there for an hour, and then go play video games all week. That's not what happens in my life. It's not going to happen in your life. You're going to have to be at the hospital with Men and families and women that are going through great things in their life. They're having their last breath. You're going to have to be at the hospital a lot. You're going to have sleepless nights as you carry the concerns and cares of the small things and the big things. You know, there's really no small thing. Somebody comes and goes, you know, it's not that big a thing, but in your life it's like everything. So how, how can that be small? You're going to carry families on your heart that you've spent years with serving. You've served with them. You've yoked together with them. If you go back through some of the pictures of the church, you'll see them in the pictures. You'll be smiling with them. You'll be out on the street sharing the gospel. You'll be building things with them on the mission field. And now a few years later, they are backslidden. Their marriages, have, they've left their spouse. Their kids are haywire. And, and you look at the picture and you go, what happened? How can you not be sorrowful for that? And then you have people coming against you and attacking you and all kinds of things. The enemy is relentless. That's Paul. That, that's just, that's the life of Paul, but that's the life for all of us. Turn over. We haven't really turned much. Uh, turn over to John's gospel. Let's listen to our, our Jesus talk to us about this topic. John chapter 15. 
Paul reminds them of at least 10 things that he endured and begins to give us an insight how he lived his life. I'm sure that in the short few months, weeks, months, years that you've been walking with the Lord, you have your own list. You have your own pictures. You have your own memories. You have your own scars. You have your own difficulties. You have your own testimony of what it was like serving Jesus. Whether you're in an official place, like an apostle or a pastor, we don't need an official place. The minute you were saved, you became a servant of the Lord. And in John chapter 15, that's John's gospel, beginning with verse 18. Let the words soak in. Don't, don't, let's not just read them for the sake of getting through the verses, but let the weight of the words sink in. If the world, what does that, your Bible say? Hates you. That's a pretty strong word. The world hating me? Well, you know that it hated me, Jesus said, before it hated you. It's an expectation. When you're hated by the world, don't worry about it. I was hated. Okay? Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world, what's that again? Hates you. Now, nobody likes to be hated. I haven't met one yet. Oh, I love it, man. Every hate me. I mean, there's a there's a an inward desire in our lives to be liked and appreciated and all the other emotions that are valid and good in good relationships. But Jesus says, the world will hate you. And when it does, the world, people, this is not like the globe. This is not like Mother Earth, you know. There's no such thing as Mother Earth, but the globe just opens its mouth and says, I hate you. It's not the world. It's not a globe. The world referring, it's people. When people hate you, when you are hated by people, when people have bitter hatred toward you, Jesus says, they hated me first. And the reason they hate you is because of your connection with me. And it's cool. And we go, it's not cool. I don't like to be hated. But Jesus says that's the way it is. Chapter 16, verse 33. Again, Jesus is discipling us. We read this all the time. I quote it all the time because I've memorized it, but I want you to see the address. And as soon as we read it, you'll know. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Turn over to Acts chapter 14 now, verse 22. These are the people that were closest to Jesus. Those that spent the three years of training with him and then launched out into the world after his death and resurrection to preach the gospel of the good news that your sins can be forgiven, that your life can be changed. What do they have to say? Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Well, let's do the sentence, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, and we quote, we must through many tribulations enter into the kingdom of God. This is normal Christian living. And I do say this. It always concerns me when there's not a lot of spiritual warfare and issues going on in our church. That's a concern. That's a concern when I am talking to people and go, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. And I'm like, man, 
Jesus said it wasn't going to be fine. So what's the problem? Now, not the fact that you would have a season of silence and rest. If you're in a season of silence and rest right now, enjoy it. Because it's not going to last. But to the degree that you desire to live godly, the Bible says that any even just the desire to live godly, you'll suffer persecution. Just the desire, let alone stepping out, going after the kingdom of darkness. That's the real battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And here you are wanting to step into the kingdom of darkness. Don't you think you're going to get some pushback? You think the devil is just going to throw a party and go, look, look at, look at those believers there at Calvary. Look at that city. It's being turned upside down. Let's rejoice with them. They're going to pull out all the stops. They're not, the devil doesn't rejoice when you make progress. The devil doesn't rejoice when you're discipling your kids. The devil doesn't rejoice when your life is flipped up right side up and you're sober and you're living for God and things are being fixed in your immediate family, your extended family. The, the devil doesn't rejoice. He pulls out all the stops of spiritual warfare to go after you. And to that you say, well, thank you very much, Ed. That's good news. But you know what my pastor taught me? My pastor taught me, and I think it's true, that to be forewarned is to be forearmed. You won't be surprised. The normal, natural living of the believer and follower of Jesus Christ, their life is filled with turmoil and difficulty and tribulation and hatred from the world system. You can avoid that, of course, by just being a hypocritical, nominal, don't matter to me kind of believer where I'm in church and just kind of hanging out and saying I'm a believer, but I'm really of the world. Because when you're of the world, you become the hater. Well, how do you know that? Because Jesus said that. The world hates. Believers love. That's the battle. So come back now with me to Paul's list, and let's just look at them and see what we can get through to, to, to look at some of this list here. So back in 2 Corinthians, normal Christian living, lots of turmoil, lots of difficulty, lots of spiritual warfare, but also lots of victory, lots of conquest. And Paul went through all this and he's still writing letters. You got to hold on to that. Paul went through this whole list and he's still writing letters. He's still encouraging churches. He's still uplifting believers. God's still using them. So here's the list. You ready? Uh, back in... Back in verse 4, it says, In all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Number one, patience. If you'd like to take notes, I'll just give you a little, uh, a little definition of these, uh, of what it might have meant in Paul's life. So number one is patience. He didn't quit when things got hard. The idea behind this word is perseverance. It's not just like I'm patient, but the idea behind this Greek word is that he was steadying on. Endurance is another way of saying it. Number two, he also, had in tri- he also lived in tribulations. The word here is great trials under intense pressure. Great trials under intense pressure. Uh, the picture is to be pressed down. That was Paul's life. Thirdly, in needs. That refers to his everyday hardships and needs in life. Needs that Jesus promised to provide. Clothing and food and air and water. That was, he had those needs every day. It's not like he had, you know, he didn't have a refrigerator full of food or he was on the move all the time. People were coming after him. So he had daily needs. And you know what? God met his daily needs. God met his daily needs. But he still had them. In order for God to meet your daily needs, you have to have them. And so Paul said, in my ministry, I had a lot of needs. Just the basics. Third, the next one is distresses. 
The idea behind that word is that Paul was often pushed into a corner with no escape. It refers to a narrow place. The next one was stripes, stripes. This was a reference to on top of all these things. Now, if any one of them in isolation, you're like, I can handle that, or I've been through that. But this is boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's nonstop. Stripes, stripes is simple. He was beaten almost to death. Just just con, just beaten, literally, not physically, I mean, not verbally. This is straight up, he was beaten close to death, and it's multiple times we know in another place. The next one was imprisonment. He was thrown in prison many times on false lying charges. In tumults is the next one. He was in the midst of riots. Remember Ephesus, you Bible students. They were mad at him because his, the gospel took away their livelihood of making little idols. You know, you start, the true gospel comes in and starts messing with religion. The people that make money off of religion get really mad. That's what happened with Eph- in the church in Ephesus. Paul was in the middle of it. They were going to beat him close to death there too. Labors, that means he was hard worker, tireless. And Paul was a tent maker. It was no easy job. It was hot. He was working all day or working in the cool. It was hard work on top of the ministry. He also refers to this um, needs, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, sleeplessness. We kind of touched on that all night, but he, it's the picture of you go to bed tired and then you can't sleep. You toss and turn all night. Uh, a brother recently uh, was talking about some of the sleepless nights that I've been having lately. And we were talking about it. And, and I go, you know, I'm getting sleep. And he says, yeah, but you're not getting rest. And I'm like, man, that makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm asleep, but my body's not going down to get the kind of rest that it needs. And, and I could see this with Paul. I can understand this, where it's not like he's not laying down. It's not like he's trying to go 24 hours a day. But whatever's going on in his life is just keeping him at that level where he's not going into that deep sleep. And he's already tired. And he's already going through things. He got all that out of his mind. And then what? He also was fasting. So he's now spiritually strong, but physically weak as he was purposely and maybe not so willingly going without food for a couple days or a time or a season. So that's just a little picture of his life. You guys think, you know, it's almost like Paul saying, you you know, you think I got it easy? You think I'm in this for the money? Do you think I'm in this for the prestige? Do you think I'm in this? Like, I'm in this for the Lord, and if if you're in for the Lord, it's going to be a rough road. Ask any of the believers outside of the United States. We visited those churches. We served those churches. I can't tell you how many times I watch the news and my heart aches for those believers in Cairo that we developed a relationship with and that's been cut off because of the craziness in Cairo. We were taking teams into Cairo regularly. It was glorious. It was a wonderful ministry. And they had it hard enough. And now without the kind of encouragement, this, this is the kind of, these are the kind of believers with that simplicity and that purity in a, in a country that, that is oppressive that we would take these, that we had a brother in the church that was giving us these little wooden cars to take, just not Hot Wheels. You know, it wasn't, we weren't taking like model cars. It was just these little wooden cars. And we'd have enough cars to give to one to every child in the church. And then by the time we would leave to go back to our hotel or to the place we were staying, um, we were also staying, um, one of the trips we were staying at a, um, um, a church that had a compound in there that we could all share a room. Before we went back to the room, the kids were playing with those cars already with their parents on their step of their home. 
And their homes were, you know, some of the homes that we were delivering food to and delivering encouragement to were 10 by 10, dirt floors, uh, nothing in there. They had nothing, but they had everything. And it's just, man, the brothers and sisters outside of our country, that's why we're, they were just having meetings today, but just more and more opportunities, more and more open doors to get us as a church out on the short-term mission trips so that you guys can be full-time missionaries serving people around the world. The world's open. It's going to be hard. That's why a lot of people don't do it. It's going to be difficult. You have to give everything up. You've got to sell everything and empty your house. Sell all your furniture. Get rid of your cars. And leave not knowing if you'll ever come back because you're so in love with Jesus and God has knit you together with a group of people that desperately need you because you're gifted to serve them. I know not everyone's called to that, but some of you are, and God wants to stir that up in you. And it may be not even stirred up until you take a trip to Thailand and you fall in love with the people and you see that, I don't know if you read recently, but the, in the Denver Post, whether you read it online or you still get the paper, the, they did that big uh, child prostitution um, sting and arrest. Did you read that? You know, some of those kids weren't from Denver. Some of the kids that they rescued, they arrested a lot of people, but they also rescued about 100 kids. And some of those kids, I think seven or eight of them, were right here in Denver. Now, that, that's not a lot of kids, I guess, in proportion to all the children, but how many is it going to take to break your heart for what's happening in our own city and to do something about it? To be on the streets and rescue these kids or provide a way for them or who knows what God could inspire in you but you know, if you went to Thailand, multiply that seven by a thousand on any given night. On and on the needs of the world would go and here Paul is saying, this is my life, this is my life, this is where I live. He knew his calling. He was a church planner. He, he, he knew what he was called to do and I pray that you know your calling and in these last days, right, because we've already seen, today is the day. So let's do something. Let's do something for the Lord. Let's do it and see what God has in store for us. Let's rise above the flesh. Let's rise above the struggle. Let's rise above identifying ourselves by our mistakes or our failures. And let's just make a difference in Jesus' name. Just one little difference. And you watch. God will bless you and encourage you. You'll become addicted to serving others in Jesus' name. Nobody needs to know. We don't need to bring it up on the screen or anything. We don't, we don't. God knows. God knows what you do in secret. And the Bible says he'll reward you openly. That's what Jesus said. Make a difference. And those of you who are going, man, I am making a difference. Well, God wants to double and multiply what you're doing. He wants you to bring people with you. Disciple them. Why? Because your life makes, means a difference. But I just want to make sure that you understand that if you're going to have a ministry that's not to be blamed, then you're going to endure in many tribulations. You're going to have many needs, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, and fastings. I don't know how it's going to look for you, but that's what it's going to look like. Then he turns the corner and he says, this is what I've gone through, but this is how. This is how I chose to live my life. I don't want my ministry to be, um, to be a reproach on the name of Jesus. I don't want Jesus to and, and the name of and the cause of Christ to be blasphemed because of me. So here's what I've endured, and it's just a small picture because we know we have larger lists and other places. He says, this is what I endured. Now secondly, this next section is how I live. So here, this is the price. There's, you don't just go through these things and not have a personal decision of price. He says, this is how I lived, by purity. Right away. 
If you're living right now in willing impurity, you are not useful to the kingdom of God. How, how can God use you if you're so, you're, you're, you're so caught up in the impurity of whatever it might be? The good news is God can clean your mind. Paul was able to live by purity. He wasn't a compromiser. He didn't live in com- He was morally clean. Secondly, he lived by knowledge. So he was a man that was growing. This was a genius in the word of God, and he was still growing in that knowledge. I don't think it was just uh, like um, knowledge of books and everything. I think it also was a personal relationship with Jesus that was growing through all of this. So I lived by purity. I lived by knowledge. I also lived by long-suffering. So he had, he had endurance before, but now when it related to other people, that's the word long-suffering almost always refers to relationships with people. You have long-suffering. You are long in your suffering in relationships. So he says, that was my life. You, you know, you, my ministry, I've lived my life so that my, the ministry I'm involved in, the service I'm involved in won't be blamed. And one of the things I, I live by, Paul says, is I'm long-suffering with people. Just like he is with I mean, I don't know. If all this stuff was happening to you, how long would your letter be? Would it be a paragraph? You ever send an email like that? An email that you wish you didn't send? You know why you sent that? Because you weren't long-suffering. You were quick to defend yourself. I've been guilty of that. I hate that. You're just like, what? You said what? You can make music, man, with your keyboard. Don't you know? And don't you understand? And And then, boom, you send it. And then you go to sleep and the Lord goes, you should, what did you say that for? I inspired them to write that email to you. What? Yeah, because you won't listen to anyone else. I inspired them. So you could hear and see. And now that it's revealed this in you, now I got something to work with. Long-suffering. The next one, kindness. Uh, you go through all this stuff. Does that make you a kind person? <laughs> You just got beat. And what are you, after the beating? Thank you very much. May I have another? <laughs> Can I clean your sticks for you? I mean, of course not. It's the work of the Spirit of God in him. How could you have a ministry that can't be blamed? Man, I, was, I, I lived kindness. I, he says the next one, the Holy Spirit, of course. This is not human. You can't do this in your humanity. You need the indwelling of the Spirit. Sincere love, he says. He wasn't fake. He didn't have a fake smile or a fake love. It was sincere agape from the Lord. And then again, um, he says, by the word of truth. Of course, that's, a, that's obvious. He just dwelled in the truth. Um, by the power of God. Again, Paul's like, it's not me. It's not me. Because when you're talking about things going on in your life, you almost feel like you're bragging. And Paul's not bragging here. It's not me. It's not me. It's not me. This is my life, but it's not me. Don't, don't look to me. It's, I'm not that big a deal. It's by the Spirit of God. It's by the power of God. It's his love, his sincerity, by the armor of righteousness on the left hand and the, on the right hand and on the left. You know, he was clothed in the, the spiritual armor that he described in detail to the church in Ephesus. Helmet of salvation, or blessed plate of righteousness. He says that. I was covered in that. By honor, verse 8, he says, and dishonor. By honor and dishonor. Here's now a testimony, and we'll have to end here, and we'll finish the chapter next time. But here's a testimony now of the paradoxes that come as you serve the Lord. 
We've been in the book of 2 Corinthians today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the epistle. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at calvaryco.church. Just do a search for today's scripture reference. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Well, this month we've picked out a resource we believe will really be helpful to your life. It's called Contented in All Things Peace. Many are asking, is this all there is to life? They're not happy, and contentment seems out of reach. There is a way to find peace and contentment in all things. And Pastor Jeff Guype reveals that to us in contentment. So if you've been struggling in this area and really want to experience contentment, this is a must-read. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Join us for our next study in 2 Corinthians. That's on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 